The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us again. If you're uh, currently watching one of the uh, NCAA games, just put it on mute and uh, you can watch the action and while you're listening to us. And don't forget, if for any reason you miss us, we are on podcast for months and months after every broadcast. So you can go back and listen to some of the great guests we've had. Uh, we've got a newcomer to the show today, and that is Steve Cook. He's recently been named the Executive Director of the NTRA Safety and Integrity Alliance. He's going to oversee the racetrack accreditation program. Uh, that is so, so important. Albeit, uh, there's some tracks that may not be able to come in line, not because they don't want to, but they might not be able to afford to. Uh, so he's going to uh, tell us about the job they do and uh, uh, the importance of the uh, uh, need to create a safer racing environment uh, through all the, the best practices. And I know that uh, he is currently uh, up at... Woodbine, where he's the vice president of Thoroughbred Racing. He does a little bit of everything, and they've been accredited three times. So he'll be able to tell us uh, the steps that a track needs to take. And then, all right, it's uh, March Madness. It's all about points, and that's what we're talking about here is Derby and Oaks points. We've got uh, three races that could affect both races. From Turfway Park, the Bourbon at Oaks is a points maker for the ladies. And following that, the Horseshoe Casino Spiral will get you derby points, as will obviously the Sunland Park Derby and Oaks. So we're going to be breaking that down with the man I admire. That's right. You know I'm the former host of this show, Mr. Ed Meyer, who... Two of the races coming from Turfway. Ed worked there for many, many years, so he's going to have some insights. And I hope you uh, dialed up your easy win forms over the last week. We had some pretty solid hits. And, again, uh, we don't key in on any special track, whatever market you're in. Uh, Mahoning Valley, for example, had a $1 pick four that paid over $4,100. You go to the middle of the country at Laurel. We had a 50-cent pick four, paid $4,700. In warmer climes at Sam Houston, a $1 super high five, best of the week that I have tracked, $6,462. And then we can go the other way, all the way over to a Mountaineer, and a $1 pick five paid $2,100. So while I'm glad you're listening to Winning Ponies for the radio show, I want to remind you to go online and get down some of their products particularly the easy win form. Well, I guess you could say racing lost a giant today. 
Alan Jerkins died at the age of 85. He got the nickname the Giant Killer, but people say he really was a genteel gentleman. He'd been hospitalized since February 28th. Again, his son uh, Jimmy Jerkins, I believe, was nominated uh, on the Hall of Fame ballot uh, this year. So, um, you know, like you said, everybody knows what he meant to the industry, and uh, he... Jimmy worked as an assistant to him. Now, Alan Jerkins, his career back in 1950 started after a brief time as a steeplechase jockey. And if you ever saw him, he's a pretty big guy. Uh, Jerkins won 3,859 races. His horses earned purse money of $103 million plus, putting him 14th all time. And what's cool is that Alan Jerkins won with two of his last four horses racing under his name. Now, he got that nickname Giant Killer for the upsets of the biggest stars in the sport. In the 60s, Jerkins upset Kelso not once, not twice, but three times with Bo Purple, and he upset the great buck passer with Handsome Boy. And in 1973, I was at one of these, he uh, upset the mighty Secretariat not once but with two horses, Onion and the Whitney Handicap, and Prove Out in the Woodard. He won the Eclipse Award as champion trainer in 1973. And in 1975, Alan Jerkins was inducted into the National Museum Racing Hall of Fame. Uh, he was also nicknamed the Chief. Uh, he's the leading trainer, Naira, on four different times. So uh, he will be missed, really cut out his niche in the sport of thoroughbred racing. There will be a memorial service for Jerkins held at Gulfstream Park on Tuesday, 11 in the morning, in their Sport of Kings Theater. Uh, the race I was talking about, I was a wee strapping lad, and we went back to Saratoga, from the 1973 Whitney. It's kind of like, where were you when? Well, I know right where I was. I was down on the quarter pole. I got a few shots of the Secretariat warming up, and I figured this will be great. This is where he's going to take the lead. And it's just about where he did take the lead. But sad to say, he was chasing the pace setter, Onion, in that race. And Onion held on and fought off Secretariat. Back then, it was $50,000 race at the Whitney. So we will be missing Alan Jerkins, the giant killer. We'll be missing another horse in the Kentucky Derby. Texas Red's been de- declared off the Derby Trail because of a lingering issue with a foot abscess. We know that uh, trainer Keith DeSormo has been trying to swim him up to it. Uh, he went to a local farm, uh, but uh, it just uh, has not healed up. So uh, in the interest of the horse, he announced that the colt was off the derby trail after the horse trained on Monday. He just felt that he wasn't 100% limber in his first day of training, and it was just too much to do to play catch-up to get to the first Saturday of May. So this means with the defection of Texas Red, another derby will pass without the Breeders' Cup Juvenile winner, only one winner in a 31-year history of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Street Sense, has come back to win the Kentucky Derby. All right, well, well, with the point system, things are moving around in racing, and American Pharaoh has now moved to second in the NTRA three-year-old poll, and uh, we'll take a look at that. Dortmund right now leads the horses uh, in, in that uh now, that's the three-year-old division, okay? Uh, we have Dortmund, American Pharaoh, Carpe Diem, Upstart, and El Kabir in the top five. Now, if you're looking at overall rankings in the thoroughbred poll, 
shared belief on top. Of course, we had trainer Jerry Hollendorfer on the show last week. In second, main sequence, then California Crone, Honor Code, and Constitution, who now has been discovered, I believe, to have a shin injury, was at the time last week rated as fifth. Well, uh, from there... Looks like you folks in the Philly area are going to have racing after all. The Jockeys Guild has reached an agreement with Parks, resolving the dispute in a manner that won't alter uh, the on-track accident policy. It looked like for a while there the Jockeys were going to boycott, but according to the press release that came out, looks like the Jockeys Guild and Parks, hands across the water, they worked it out. We might try to reach out to Mindy Coleman, who's the attorney for the Jockeys Guild, to see kind of what was behind that and how they came to a resolution. Well, uh, it's time to head over to Dubai, and California Chrome leads the U.S. group this year of 16. Remember, we hardly sent any over, but with a change in track surface, we're seeing more American horses. So 16 American horses were to ship overseas on Tuesday. Uh, the return of dirt racing at Maidan, they say, is the re- reason. Uh, Two starters for the $10 million Dubai World Cup, California Chrome and Lee. And uh, they figure actually to be two of the favorites in there. It also has two former American runners, Candy Boy and Ron the Greek, who are now uh, based in Saudi Arabia. So after private purchase. Now main sequence, the 2014 champion male turf horse, and last year's winner of the Breeders' Cup, Turf will attempt to become the first American-based horse to win one of the World Cup turf stakes when he starts in the Six Million Shima Classic. I can't wait to see this. Let's hope Graham Motion has him ratcheted up and ready to go. Of course, there is the UAE Derby uh, that's open to horses. Actually, four years old on the Southern Hemisphere time. Uh, it is a major Derby qualifying race, though. What's interesting this year over there is that uh, trainer Aiden O'Brien won't have a single horse in the Dubai Cup races. Well, we lost a good one down at Old Friends, Ogaijin, the oldest pensioner at Old Friends Farm, passed away. Son of the great Damascus was 32 years old. Of course, he turned back the clock. He uh, was considered one of the fastest runners of his generation. As a two-year-old, he was unbeaten in three starts, including a stunning victory over champion sprinter Groovy in the Belmont Futurity. And as a three-year-old, he vanquished the competition in the Reaver Ridge Stakes, the Dwyer Stakes, and the Jerome. He was trained by Jan Nehru through his career, so uh, lost an, another good one. Well, uh, let's take a look at our Jockey of the Week, and this week... Going out of Cajun country, Gerard Melanson was voted Jockey's Guild Jockey of the Week for winning 10 races, 6 seconds, and 2 thirds. He ended the week with a win percentage of over 41% and incredibly came in the money on 75% of his mounts, totaling $246,000. Congratulations to Gerard Melanson. Well, we wanted to thank Mary Rampolini, who is down there in Hot Springs, helped us handicap some of the races from Oak Lawn Park, and there were some surprises down there. That's right, Untappable, who went away at 1-9 to nine in the Azari, looked like she was going to chomp up the competition, turn for home. Gold medal dancer had set an early lead under Luis Quinonez for the race, 
and uh, got away with uh, 48, almost 49 for the half. And when Untappable came to Gold Medal Dancer, she just reached down and dug in and got the job done. And one of the biggest upsets that we can remember, Untappable uh, did hold on for uh, the second place. It was game in the lane. I guess you could kind of say needed one. Coming from last, rallying was Mufasha. So big upset. Big upset in the Azari at Oak Lawn Park. Uh, then we went to the Razorback Handicap, a grade three race. And the winner right there was race day. All the wise guys were picking this horse from the Pletcher Barn. Johnny V up and uh, turned into a two-horse stretch run uh, between uh, race day and midnight hawk. A Bob Baffert train aid, really solid final furlong. Those two just pulled away, and it was a long way back to golden ticket in third. And then the final race at Oakland Park that we handicapped with Mary was the grade two rebel. That's right, three-year-old Colts and points on the board. The winner, there were no question here, American Pharaoh was the easy winner. Last year's Eclipse Award winning two-year-old. He dominated them. Uh, made from Lucky came into the second spot uh, above Bold Conquest. So American Pharaoh back on track. It'll be interesting to see where he shows up for the rest of his Derby points. And then talking to Jerry Hollendorfer, we uh, we took a quick look at the Santa Margarita and the winner here, an easy winner. Good odds though at three to two if you like favorites was Warren's. Venata. Like we said, looking at this race, there was speed up front, might like the added distance, and Warren's Venata did for trainer Craig Lewis and Tyler Bays. All right, well, uh, that uh, sets up last week's races, a look at national news, and coming up next, we're going to talk to Steve Cook. He's coming back to the bluegrass, ladies and gentlemen, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. to the pros we, we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Introducing the 123 Racing Pick 6, America's newest and most exciting wager. It's the bet that puts you in the race. Win the new $2 wager by scoring points across six races to scoop the national pool. If you love handicapping contests, you'll love 123 Racing. Compete against America on track and online now. Pools are open at 123bet.com. This month, there are $100,000 in guaranteed payouts. Learn more and wager now at 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. Licensed and regulated in the USA. 
your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, well, we talk about thoroughbred bloodlines a lot, and we're going to be talking with a guy that's got some outstanding thoroughbred horsemanship bloodlines in his family. His name is uh, Steve Cook, and he's recently been named the executive director of the NTRA Safety and Integrity Alliance, where he's going to oversee the racetrack accreditation program, uh, assuring the establishment and implementation of standards for racetrack safety and integrity across North America. Now, he hasn't started the job yet, so I can't ask him too many specifics, but I know that we, we can talk about safety and integrity with no problem. Uh, now, rewind, since 2008, Steve's been the vice president of Thoroughbred Racing at Woodbine Racetrack in Toronto, Canada, and as vice president, he led all aspects of the Thoroughbred Racing product and operations. Uh, he oversees the grounds, the stables, the racing surfaces, the fleet division. I think he changes the toilet paper after the races most nights, too. I mean, uh, there's not nothing this guy hasn't done up at Woodbine. And, of course, uh, he has uh, passed the uh, NTR Safety and Integrity Alliance uh, test up there a few times. So no better man for the new position. Steve Cook, welcome to Winning Ponies. Yeah, thanks for having me, John. It's a pretty flattering introduction, but I'll take it. Well, uh, you know, in, in the uh, sake of transparency, I will let people know that uh, uh, I've had connections with your family for many, many years, and I'm dating myself because uh, I, I've been friends uh, w- with your dad, uh, Gus, but when I'm really dating myself is I was very good friends with your grandfather, uh, Charlie Cook, who is an outstanding turf writer and historian. As a matter of fact, up until the year he died, he's the only person to have a story published in every issue of Keeneland Magazine. Did you know that, young man? That's an interesting fact. I certainly remember reading his articles, and every now and then you can go back to his articles in the Keeneland Magazine, and he wrote some. There's one in particular I remember that he wrote about Pat Day that um, uh, Pat actually autographed that, and it hangs on a wall someplace back home. But um, interesting fact. Yeah, Grandpa Cook would have introduced me to um, to uh, River Downs going way, way back when I was just a little kid, and, and I have pretty fond memories of that. A kid visiting a place like River Downs, that's how you get hooked on horse racing. Absolutely. One of the prettiest places uh, in the Midwest, if not in all of racing, with the, with the view that you get. Well, uh now, they say a lot of people are, you know, born into racing or born into a job, but you were literally born on a place that will forever be in the history of horse racing. Can you share that with our listeners and tell them what it was like growing up with your family, which was not a small one, and where it was where you grew up? 
Yeah, in fact, I would even extend that. I would say I was uh, uh, born and bred into the horse racing because, I, uh, believe it or not, I was actually born in Canada, and that was my ticket back to Woodbine some 30 years later when uh, my father was managing at Winfield's Farm up here. So uh, if you remember, Winfield's had the great Northern Dancer and so many others. But I have no childhood memories of uh, uh, Winfield's up here in Canada because by the time I was uh, probably less than two years old, we were on Claiborne Farm. And so all of my childhood memories were growing up in Claiborne Farm, where in a, I, I, in a fairly literal way, I had horses like Secretariat in my front yard. Um, growing up that way, all you know is it uh, sure seems like a lot of work. Uh, a guy like my father, who you know is um, having his uh, uh, U.S. Marine Corps background, he certainly knows how to put his kids to work and keep them in line. He had to because <laughs> there were so many of us. I was one of ten. But uh, growing up on the big 3,000-acre uh, Claiborne horse farm, and we got all these famous horses in our front yard, I didn't really understand how uh, cool that was until I ran off to college um, 18 years later or whatever age I was. But it's funny, you don't know what you have until you've lost it. So I go off to college, and people start telling me just how interesting Claiborne Farm was. And that's when I really probably truly seized on horse racing. That's when I started to realize how special that is. Now, uh, we're talking with uh, Steve Cook, and uh, I want to know, what, what was the first uh, job, literally, whether it be a hot walker, cleaning a stall, whatever, what was the first job you ever had handling a horse? Actually, my very first job would be when I was quite young. Um, I couldn't guess what grade. I remember as early as uh, third grade, we would... Uh, we would, uh, Dad would take us to the Keeneland um, November sales in particular, and we would uh, to earn our stripes there, raking the shed row, uh, helping pick the stalls, and uh, showing the broodmares all day long. And by the time we got home from the Keeneland sales uh, uh, every night during the November sales, we would be wiped because they, uh, whatever age you are in third grade and onwards, uh, you're not ready for that 12-hour, 15-hour day. Um, I remember the uh, first broodmare, I think, that he taught me and my brother Matthew uh, how to uh, lead around the fields. Uh, we were getting our own lead shank training. Uh, I think the mare was Moccasin, if I remember correctly, and Dad will have to correct me. If wow. I'm fairly confident. <laughs> Moccasin is the mare that uh, taught me my, uh, my beginning horsemanship 101 lessons. That's going well, uh, all I can say is obviously... Uh, it wasn't rammed down your throat. Uh, you 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 had a passion for it. Uh, you you end up getting your uh, applied economics degree from school that might go another bracket or two in the tournament, the University of Kentucky. Uh, so from a- after your graduation from from Kentucky, um, what was your what was your next step? I know that you did spend some time at Keeneland. Yeah, Keeneland was. I really. Uh introduced myself to Rogers Beasley at the time he was director of sales at Keeneland. And um, I guess I said something right because Rogers very generously offered to take me on as an intern. This is when I was finishing my undergraduate degree at the University of Kentucky. So I uh, didn't see that coming. That was a huge opportunity. I still owe Rogers a thanks for that because I came in and then they couldn't get rid of me. I hung on for a couple years as an intern and then they so much couldn't get rid of me that they went ahead and hired me fresh out of my uh, undergraduate degree uh, while I was probably about halfway through my, uh, my, my graduate degree at UK. So I was a pretty good distraction when Keeneland comes knocking on the door and says, you know, you could work for us full-time. I dropped everything and ran to Keeneland because uh, <laughs> who would turn down that opportunity? And, and what a great – so I was handed over to Jeffrey Russell and worked – so he was the next director of sales, the auctions there at Keeneland, and learned an awful lot from Jeffrey Russell and getting to uh, 
go to a lot of horse farms and liaise at a lot of racetracks and got to look at a whole lot of yearlings and get a real education from great uh, minds and eyes such as uh, Dr. Lavin and, and uh, uh, Pete Hall. But uh, and then the the other thing that happened to me at Keeneland was I therefore got to spend get a couple runs over at the race office at Keeneland with Howard Battle who was still alive at the time wow probably the, one of the greater racing secretaries that ever lived and just I had an enormous respect for Howard and he really made a difference for me too and that was kind of I came from the breeding side of the business so those were my my initial introductions to oh yeah there's also the racing side so it was very eye opening so I ended up being at Keeneland for four years and. Um, and then finally finished my master's degree, and then it, it was after that that I, I uh, uh, tripped into a position up here at Woodbine. Well, and obviously an, an outstanding position as, as, as vice president. Well, what was I, I read off your your resume as far as all the things that you were responsible for, but that has to give you a unique insight into the what the NTRA Safety and Integrity Alliance is looking for or expects when they go to a track to try to get accreditation, because I believe you passed it three times. The, the beauty of my taking on the position at the NTRA is, is I've lived it, and I've lived it in a very deep way. So um, I'm involved at uh, um, in a, in a very high level in the operations here at Woodbine. I oversee all of the areas that... Um, that uh, directly relate to executing the the thoroughbred racing product. So that'd be the racing operations. There's a lot of strategy there. Um, the racing services, which is something you can do in an entire show on these days. Now that Woodbine just recommitted to synthetic racing up here, and um, so I've lived the accreditation process twice. Woodbine's got a wonderful culture of uh, our, our our operating culture in our thoroughbred division. Actually. I describe it as a culture of safety and integrity. There's such a pride in doing it right and trying to do it as good or better than anybody else. And it really made the NTRA accreditation process and the concept really, really resonated here at Woodbine. And and I'm proud of what we've achieved here. But then what it's done is set myself up for this next opportunity, being offered the opportunity to take the reins over at the NTRA Safety and Integrity Alliance, I can bring those lessons that I've learned in that perspective. Uh, when I go to these other tracks and talk about the benefits and the things we can do and and um, how to uh, establish new and better continuously improving best practices, I can actually say, yeah, I've lived this. I've, I've done that. I understand what your needs and concerns are and, and how can we get there together. So I'm actually really excited about that opportunity. I think I think a guy like me working together with my, my peers and partners in the industry, we can make some enormous, enormous successes out there. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge advantage that you've watched the process. And I liked what you said along the lines of almost teaching the process, helping people at other tracks accomplish what you want to do to create a safer racing environment. Now, I, I've only got about two minutes left here, Steve, but basically I just want to tell people that it's not like you walk in and walk around. You bring some of the best of the best from different aspects, everything from uh, people that might deal with substance abuse and addiction, uh, uh, perhaps deal with the trainer's uh, test, uh, uh, drug testing. Uh, so you, you have key people in each one of these areas that uh, comes in and, and kind of helps attract get that accreditation. 
Yeah, the accreditation process has an extensive focus. Um, it, it pays a whole lot of attention to the the, the welfare and uh, how uh, respect for the the jockey colony, respect for the horse, and treating the horse the very best and doing all the right things for the horses. Um, the the processes of drug testing, the processes you talk about trainer licensing and and also integrity issues that relate there. It's a truly extensive process that should uh, uh, I would want everybody to know that when these racetracks get accredited, that's no rubber stamp. They really had to earn that stripe, and, and that's something that the NTRA should be proud of. Well, uh, certainly I believe that uh, you, you, you're, you're going to be challenged. I mean, A, you've got the ones that are on board, uh, but B, you want to see that uh, hopefully every track in the country could. But I think in some extent there might be some tracks that just can't afford certain things. Um, is, is that a tough breaking point, do you think, it'll be for you in the future, whereas you go into kind of – I'll just say a minor league track just says, you know, we love to do it. We do the best job we can, but I just can't afford a new rail. Yes, I mean, that, that's probably hard. I should get on the job uh, a ways before I really uh, know what I'm looking at there and have a, a, a more global view on that. But, but that's where the real opportunity and the benefits of myself being in it. I've lived it. I understand the cost. I understand the realities facing these tracks where they've got constrained resources, uh, re- re- constrained resources with numerous needs. And, you know, how are we going to get there? I, I view my role as to be a collaborator more than, you know, more than, uh, more carrot than stick. And, um, I think working together, this industry can go a lot of places as long as we agree to collaborate. Well, like I said, I think it's just fantastic that you've been on both sides of the NTRA Safety and Integrity and Alliance, and I think you're going to be a huge help, a huge boom, and I can certainly vouch for your experience and your bloodlines. You come from a fantastic family, people I've met personally and have had a great time around racing that know it from top to bottom. And uh, that is only going to enhance your time with the NTRA, Steve. And uh, I can't uh, wish you better, and uh, I'm sure you're going to be really happy getting back to the bluegrass with nine other siblings somewhere around. I have an awful lot of my, my, my children. I've got a six-year-old and three-year-old. They've got an awful lot of cousins running around the central Kentucky area, and it's going to be awful nice to raise them in the bluegrass uh, in a way that I know how, surrounded by horses and acreage. Well, I wish you best of luck, and I look forward to seeing you down at the Keeneland meet, okay? Thanks so much, John. I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks very much for having me on the show. All right. We've been talking with Steve Cook from the NTRA Safety and Integrity Alliance. And coming up shortly, a man that has plenty of integrity himself. I've said it many times. He's the man I admire. Admire. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. Leave the bitch's ass and then move oh, on. I just, and I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. 
Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Introducing the 123 Racing Pick 6, America's newest and most exciting wager. It's the bet that puts you in the race. Win the new $2 wager by scoring points across six races to scoop the national pool. If you love handicapping contests, you'll love 123 Racing. Compete against America on track and online now. Pools are open at 123bet.com. This month, there are $100,000 in guaranteed payouts. Learn more and wager now at 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. Licensed and regulated in the USA. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and a guy that is certainly no stranger to this audience, the former host of this show that was kind enough to pass the baton to me, uh, is Ed Meyer. Now, for those of you who don't know, for many years, Ed worked at Turfway Park in various positions. Uh, his, uh, his main job was stealing patrons, I think, from River Downs and bringing them over to Turfway Park. But uh, uh, Ed was, uh, you know, took care of the clients. He was also the on-air uh, handicapper at times. And uh, so I figured as long as we got two huge races at Turfway Park, which basically he can park his car in his driveway and walk there, that Ed Meyer would be the guy to bring on. Steady Eddie, how you doing, brother? Good evening, John. It's, uh, it's a great weekend to be in northern Kentucky. And Kentucky, for that matter. Yes, it is. And I watched the weather report yesterday, and the word they put up under Saturday was awesome. Not that it really matters at Turfway, because they're almost the last surviving poly track track in the country. Even Woodbine, we just talked with uh, Steve Cook, they're moving to Topata up in Canada. You know, for the, for the craze, I'm going to go back 10 years ago, that everyone was going to synthetic for us to do a complete turnaround, I don't know if there was a lot of uh, monetary decisions that are being made. I, I think it ran its course. I think there are some some merit, but I also think it's also a great expense to tracks. It is, but quite frankly, and you know the weather scene between Woodbine and places like Turfway, and uh, I'd even speak to Honing Valley, though they don't have it. The, I think it's a, it's a great thing for those tracks to have that option because you know how many cards, particularly this winter, would have been canceled at, at Turfway with the weather we had. There used to be a circle in the in the tri-state, in being Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky, northern Kentucky, southeast Ohio, and, and southwest uh, Indiana, uh, southeast Indiana, and John, it was called the freeze thaw zone. And there was nothing like it in horse racing because we brought in every possible person that could consult, and they've never seen situations like this. You're right. There are some tracks that really benefit. Once upon a time, I can even remember the tongue-in-cheek when Beulah, now defunct Beulah, actually had tossed around. Mahoning Valley would be a great candidate, in my opinion. I I agree. I I definitely agree. Uh, Well, uh, I don't know if you read Tom Lamar's article 
uh, recently about winter racing in Kentucky. I, I thought it was really good in the fact that uh, Turfway Park does serve a niche because where do, do, where do those class and quality horses go? And they've had not one but two purse increases. Who knows what could happen in the future uh, that some Kentucky horsemen might stick around instead of heading down to more southern climbs. Tom wrote another great article, as, as we're both fans and, and have been for a long time. Tom really speaks to the game. The part that really touched me, and because I know this is true, they get to sleep in their own beds. They get to raise their families in this area. They're not on the road. A very good friend of you and an incredible horseman, Jeff Greenhill, uh, was quoted as far as saying he travels about 60,000 miles a year. That's so why I don't pat myself on the back for it. <laughs> no, I'm just well, kidding. He's a Jeff friend of yours, and we're going to give you bonus points for that. <laughs> no, I've got him. I've got Jeff on my trainer watch, and in a, in a night, he'll have a horse at Mountaineer, Belterra, and Indiana Towns. I don't know how he does it. Well, he's he's definitely got to be the great kazoo to be in all of those places. But any of those places from where he actually uh, trains is is going to be quite the haul. But no, I, I enjoyed. I believe it was a couple weeks ago, or maybe even be longer, or maybe less, uh, that Jeff Greenhill was on, and and actually enjoy enjoy listening to Jeff. He's He's quite interesting. I've really enjoyed watching him play his trade at uh, River Downs, Turfway, uh, Keeneland, Belterra Park, anywhere he goes. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Uh, in the in the top ten in, in percentage for any trainer that won nine races last year. Uh, anyhow, let's move on. Um, you're very familiar with with Turfway Park. I talked about you earlier, and uh, we'll let the uh, let, let, let's go to the big race first. In case, as always, I go long. And uh, we're going to go to the Horseshoe Casino Cincinnati Spiral, a race that has been named many things over the years. But I like the fact that they always kept Spiral because it was John Battaglia that came up with the idea that this would be a a race that would spiral horses to the Kentucky Derby. And uh, in the case of one in in modern times, it it did happen. Uh, And this uh, brings together an interesting field. Uh, going a mile and an eighth, again, on poly track. It almost looks like inside, outside, look like the horses to beat. But there's a couple improving horses. And now the, the tough thing here is, and you hear it all the time, Ed, I know, is that horses that display quality on turf often transfer that to poly. But when I looked at this race and handicapped this race, it almost, it almost looks like you could slice it in half, the tortoise versus the hare. You've got a little bit of everything here. You've got, I was reading earlier, dirt to poly, poly to, poly to turf to back to poly, turf to poly. You've got every type of runner known to man. And I believe, John, that everything that I've been reading, and I don't know if you alluded to it earlier, was Imperia, the sixth, uh, four to one, Joel Rosario for Kier McLaughlin, will scratch. And uh, uh, Imperia is going to be looking elsewhere for another state coming soon to uh, hopefully an OTB or TV near you. Yes, I believe there was something in the conditions of the race that made that happen. Uh, I, I can't go into it in detail, not because I've got some secret, but because I haven't researched oh. it enough. But that's what I understand eliminated the horse. Well, regardless of whatever it is, I, I press on, as my uh, old friend John Englehart would say, and I come right out of this race. It's a, it's a sweet mile and an eighth event. I'm going to come out, and I'm going to go against a favorite. I'm going to take the nine, Conquest Typhoon, five to one. Mike Smith is in town. 
he's only winning 21%. Now, I know you hate when I throw out the numbers, but here's the interesting part. He's had 554 mounts. He's in impeccable shape. He's running for Mark Cassie. These guys are winning 25% together. Second start in 2015. Ran in the El Camino Real Derby. Was the beaten favorite against Metaboss, but... That was the first time back for the Sun in Stormy Atlantic, John. And Conquest Typhoon, I cannot believe is 5-1. I guess, as I used to say, better early and often if you get 5-1 on Conquest Typhoon. Well, um, you know, I'm going to handicap with my, my heart and my head here. A Royal Sun, who will probably be one of the favorites right now, I think listed about 5-2, five, five to two, did draw the rail. Now, this is the horse that won the John Battaglia Memorial, the major prep at Turfway for this race and won it with authority. And I know you're a guy that goes up and looks at videos, Ed. I think the fact that this horse drew the rail and does not have immediate speed outside of it, but then all of a sudden when you go out to watch your own bobbler, who's a long shot, Wireless Future, who brings in Florent Giraud, a guy that's in his zone right now, coming off three straight wins, that they look to be the three that I think uh, on Saturday we're going to see go to the front. And the reason I'd love to see Royal Sun go all the way is, is the fact that Todd Pletcher and Windstar Farm have elected to keep Rodney Prescott in the saddle. You know what a quality guy that is, but he's a local rider. He doesn't get a whole lot of kudos, though he's won national awards for his quality of individualism. I, I, it'll be interesting to see that he's going to be the speed on the rail, but, man, you've got, you got some legitimate closers here, and one of them that we've got to talk about is the shipper Metaboss. First things first, I'll buy all the stock in Rodney that I possibly can. What a guy. What a, what a true competitor. This will be his first graded win. John, if it, I, hopefully I'm wrong. I hope he has a dozen more that I don't know about. be his first graded win. Drawing the rail at Turfway Park is no bonus. So he's got his work cut out. But alluding to that silky Sullivan-type runner, I'm going to go out to the far outside to the 11 Metaboss. Alex Solis coming in for Jeff Bondi, winner of the El Camino Real Derby, circled the field like they're tied to the ground, John. Metaboss is a real, real cruiser down the lane. It looks like 2015, this three-year-old son of street boss woke up and said, hey, I'm a racehorse. Well, it'll be interesting to see if an animal kingdom comes out of here. Uh, whoever you like on top, there's plenty of opportunity to put horses underneath. My long shot play in here, who's currently, I think, about 20 to 1, is Magic of Believing, trained by Kenny McPeak. And I know you're no stranger to watching this guy pull upsets. Love Kenny McPeak, another one that every time he's in, you better have him somewhere on the ticket or you may be regretting. My long shot was the other 20-to-1 shot, and that's Fire Spike. Miguel Mena, third off the layoff, one at the Ocala Training Center for their big day in January. But in the Bataglia was fifth, not really coming, but Edgar Prado, I found it kind of odd, came into town to ride in the John Bataglia on that Friday evening. I believe Friday or Saturday evening, I believe Fire Spike is uh, going to get a piece of the pie, maybe, maybe for minor awards. All right. Well, that's a, that's a look at the spiral stakes that's been around quite a while. By the way, the, the mystery horse I was alluding to is Animal Kingdom came out of this race and came back big on the first Saturday in May. Um, well, let's, let's go ahead and do the bourbonette. I know I'm up against a spot, but we can maybe go a little bit long. Uh, as the Sunland has 
some standout horses in both their Derby and Oaks preps. Um, I think this is one of the most contentious races of the day as far as a, a graded stakes race, uh, the one-mile Bourbonette Oaks. Ed, I'm going to let you take the lead on this because I could talk about half the field. Agreed there. And, and, you know, I'm really surprised at the Jock Coffin. Each and every year, Turfway draws out some nice riders. There are some incredible riders in here. In the Bourbonette, they're going to travel one mile. It's a full field of 12. And, 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 and in my opinion, John, I think it's really going to be a factor is the three, and that's Don't Leave Me. Five to one, Jose Lescano for Malcolm Pierce has not run since September 13th of 2014. Broke her maiden over the Woodbine Polly, and then turf a win, and then runs in the Natalma with a very bothered start. I think something may have happened. Malcolm Pierce, he, he's, he's wins 32% of his, uh, of his synthetic runners staying in Woodbine a great portion of the year. Les Cano, if they can ride on the turf, I believe the Polly's about the, the little uh, sister. I think Don't Leave Me at 5-1 to one looks awfully good. Well, uh, I'm trying to see who I have uh, marks on here. And uh, as well, I got marks on half the field here. But, of course, all right, let's just, let's just go to the potential horse to beat, Doug O'Neill. I'll have another. He's been in the headlines. He's coming all the way in from California and bringing top what used to be Apprentice, but he's an Eclipse Award winner last year, Drayden Van Dyke, to ride Charlo Ray. Now, uh, this horse has been running in uh, uh, races where it's had a chance to run over the synthetic, and I'm thinking, you know, this is his chance to cash in on derby points. Has three starts on the synthetic, uh, two wins. It's coming off a really nice, solid closing race in the California Oaks. Uh, probably, you know, a, a legitimate horse that, that's going to get action, but... Uh, you know, all of a sudden you see, like, Joel Rosario show up here riding this uh, candy ride filly, sweet success for Rusty Arnold. That's like a head-scratcher for me. Corey Lannery yeah. must have an engagement somewhere else. So you got sweet success there. And uh, what do you do, you know, the cat? He's had big days at Turfway on this day, and he's coming in with a Harlan's Holiday three-year-old filly who's won four in a row by the name of Harlan's Destiny. And I believe that the cat and his uh, son-in-law, Channing Hill, have uh, teamed up for some big wins on Spiral Day. You're going to have a West Virginia bred with Harlan's Destiny. I don't know if I've ever thought I would ever say that in my years at Turfway. Five for five in the money, four of which were winners when you spoke of Harlan's Destiny. Wayne Catalano, the king of Chicago, and his man Channing Hill, they, they come in doing good work together. Charlotte Ray, John, Drayden Van Dyke, if this race could be on the turf, I'd take five more shares. This kid is going to be a superstar. Yeah, but, you know, I, I have a lot of question marks about Charlotte Ray, but you can't question that last race. And a gentleman you, you touted me a long time ago, Florent Giroux, aboard number 12, Bossy, 15 to 1 for the Catman, Wayne Catalano, and also owns a trip over the track from the Cincinnati Trophy, shipped up from Fairgrounds, Fairgrounds Shippers. Anywhere they go, they run well. For some reason, they run better than what they were actually doing back at the, the Big Easy. But Bossy actually had a trip over the track. You're, you're right. I mean, if you're going to bet a multi-racer, this is going to be a big ticket here. 
Yeah, and he's not only had a trip in the track, but since then, they kept him at Keeneland, and they've been training him on the Poly Track Lower Training Center. I think that's kind of interesting. So if you can get Florent Jaroux at 15-1, to 1, I'd say keep that bad boy on your ticket. I just think I think this race is going to pay boxcars, Ed. I think you know, if you if you have this trifecta, you know we're we're going to be hanging out with them because I think the beers are going to be flowing, hot dogs are going to be rolling, and I think we're going to be two happy campers. But fifteen for your one, I like a horse's five to one and didn't blink an eye. To me, she actually looked like she was about two to one, and I couldn't believe it because don't leave me was actually on everyone's eyes and and woodbine and it usually starts up there in the summertime at the late summertime and the two-year-olds really start to blossom there and don't leave me had great great remarks and i'm i'm not about ready to to question malcolm pierce in my one of my favorite riders jose lescano and uh the the guy knows how to win on the synthetic and the layoff uh, five to one sign me up all right. Again, we've just been talking about the Bourbonette Oaks, a grade three, uh, that will get big Oaks points. So uh would not be surprised to see the winner go on to the Kentucky Oaks because it, it should become eligible rather quickly with that many points on the line. All right, Ed. Well, listen, I think we're just going to go uh, – Straight on out to uh, to Sunland. Our producer Michael's telling me we got eight minutes, so maybe we can split it up. And if not, I can question you on some of last week's uh, results that were kind of interesting. Uh, the Sunland Park Oaks. This has uh, points, and let's face it, uh, the way it looks to me, the races for a place. Bob Baffert's callback by Street Sense. Looks to be awful, awful tough. A grade one stakes winner coming in here. Put a line through its first race, and this horse has been awful tough. This looks like Bob Baffert weekend. It, it, it really, in fact, does. If, if I were on Team Baffert, I'd ask to be paid in quarters and probably put a scare into the uh, the western part of the United States. Callback looks like just looks like a true monster in here. Three-year-old filly by Street Sense. I was talking to our good friend John McDoolan, who works for Equibase and, and stationed out of Sunland Park. And he had told me the track has been rock hard, but they're expecting a little bit of rain, which I think only can sometimes speed the track up at times that you don't see it take a nick off of it whatsoever if anything uh some some tracks actually run a little a little quicker i think this weighs in the callbacks hands very well an impressive win in the lost virginis uh dropping down it it's dropping down, but it's still a an Oaks Points race, a 50, 20, 10, and 5 race. I think callback at even money is, if you, if you get even money, it's, wow, you got a real bargain uh, of the world, John. But, you know, I'm kind of interested to see who you like for a second. I'm going to bet a Diet Coke that we do got the second horse together. Okay. Well, uh, as a matter of fact, I've got uh, two horses rather close to one another. And uh, so I would key call back on top of these two horses and just tell the teller to keep pressing the button. And that would be uh, Suva Harbor, who won the prep at Sunland after shipping in from Santa Anita after running against some top competition, including callback. And the horse on the outside, Maybelline, Victor Espinoza, coming into town uh, for the, the Sunland Park Oaks on that one. Is that uh, one of your two? 
Well, they, they say, you know, if you live long enough, uh, married people, they start looking like. I guess we work long enough together that, in fact, we handicap alike. Those, in exact order, are my two runners. Suva Harbor, winner of the local prep, the island fashion, impressively, but was DQ'd and placed eighth. It was a, uh, she was a heavy favorite. I had to throw the, lo- the local bread in there with Suva Harbor, and I end up with Maybelline. I, I'm really not... I don't know what to make of this runner. Uh, beaten favorite in a loss for tennis, it's kind of hard to believe now by taking a look at these two gals. But, in fact, I mean, she has to be feared and she has to be taken into consideration uh, coming from Baffert's barn. Baffert, uh, he, he's ruled... He's ruled the, the uh, Sunland Derby. And, in fact, you know, is he going to start here with the Oaks as well? I, I, I think he's, he's stocked pretty tight. But our exact top three, just as you called them. All right. Well, what can I say? And, and really, as much as you like to be a wise guy, I can't make much of a case for the other horses in the field. Now let's go to the grade three $800,000 Sunland Park Derby. It's a mile and an eighth. And it's brought uh, out a horse that's been running second to Dortmund by the name of Firing Line. Gary Stevens has accepted the amount. This horse has decided to pass on some of the other races on the West Coast and point to this one after coming in with a 104 buyer. Um, to me, Firing Line, without a doubt, the horse to beat. I, they might be turning Lord Nelson back a little quick in here. Um, and then you got the question mark, uh, pain and misery was having a fantastic season and just throw out the San Felipe. I'm not sure. Uh, wh- where are you going with this one, Steady? Well, when you you had uh, alluded to with uh, with Dortmund, there's Dortmund and American Pharaoh, both trained by Bob Bamford once again. The name at Sunland Park haunts more trainers. Actually, I think this is a wise move of firing line. You know, go ahead and duck Dortmund, get your points in. Three year old colt by, by line of David. Now, I, I have to admit, I don't know much about the you know the sire line there, John. But, in fact, this is second off of a layoff. It was an impressive run in the Robert B. Lewis, which historically, if you go back the last 20 years, the Robert, or excuse me, the last 15, I should say, that the Robert Lewis has been really a, a, nice, a nice prep, a nice timed, a, a timed effort. You'll, you'll see runners down the line, and you'll see that same race, the R.B. Lewis, in there. Ducking Dorman, no big deal. Gary Stevens at 8-5 to five, drawing the rail. Are you kidding me? If, if John yeah. McDillon's prognostication is right, it's been rock hard, and I would have to say the front runners are going to do pretty good. Maybe just a little bit of moisture to just to keep it sizzling, smoking. I see firing line just being just a real troublemaker for for a lot of these runners in here. Yeah, man, you alluded to the pedigree. I think a mile and an eighth is within his reach. Is a mile and a quarter. With my pedigree knowledge, that's going to be awful tough. But you throw $800,000 in front of my face and let me finish second to the horse that's ranked number one in the Derby, I'm going to post, baby. And you just don't know. A lot of horses do outrun their pedigree. So uh, that that's a, a look at, at, the Sun, at the Sunland Derby. Uh, they're telling me I only got a minute left. Ed, just real quick, uh, your impression over the weekend of American Pharaoh in the Rebel. Incredible. I, I, I think I think you've got some ditto horses here. Uh, you know, it, it was a little bit slow, but don't worry about that right now. And it, it just, uh, I, I think I was reading Steve Haskins' Derby Dozen there earlier. And, you know, it, it just had that textbook look. American Pharaoh, uh, son of Pioneer by the Nile, trained by Bob Baffert. I think this is a ridiculous runner here. I think American Pharaoh, we're only starting to scratch the surface. 
All right. Well, I do. It's going to be interesting. We've also got Carpe Diem. Uh, you and I may jump in a car and go down and catch him in the bluegrass. And Michael's telling me it's about time for me to take a hike. So, Ed Meyer, I thank you very much. You're one of our favorite people here on Winning Ponies. Thanks, John. Best of luck to everyone. Keep listening and keep winning. All right. Well, and I also want to thank Steve Cook and wish him the best of luck when he signs on at the end of this month with the NTRA. So with with that said, I want to thank you for listening. You can go ahead and turn the volume up on your NCAA games now. And if not, I hope you had a chance to listen to us on podcast. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.